Hello, guys, and welcome back to Just Like Other Girls. As always, I'm your host, Shannon Fiedler. And this week, I'm inviting you to take a little trip down memory lane with me back to when I was a single girl living in New York City, dating in New York City, really just living the nightmare, as I like to say. I was on the apps, at the bars, crying in my friend's apartments, crying in cabs, crying on the street. I mean, you know the drill. (laughs) Because the thing is, I feel like we've all been on dates, unless you're one of those lucky few who met your soulmate in college. You've probably been on a date as an adult, and I, I think we can all relate to those experiences. They're very formative and weird and wild and a lot of fun. And that's why I'm really asking you guys tonight, more than ever, if you have a story you want to share about your dating experience, if you want to talk about the best date you went on with your now husband or wife, if you want to talk about the worst date you went on with someone you hope you never see again, if you want to just unpack some dating experiences that you've had, call in. Tonight's the night. Tonight we are talking all about dating and I want to hear what you guys have to say as well as share with you some of my experiences in the world of dating. So that's the plan for tonight's show. Uh, I do want to, for the purposes of this podcast, I want to clarify that tonight when I say dating, um, I really do mean dating as in those early stages of going on dates, those first dates, Uh, when you're not sure if you should text each other. I'm not talking about being in a relationship with someone. I've always found it really weird that that's the same word that you can use that I was, up until we got engaged, I could say, oh, I'm dating Pat, even though we'd been together for almost three years, which is the same word that you use when you've gone on two dates with someone. You could say, oh, we're dating or we, you know, we are going on dates. It's very weird to me that there's a vernacular overlap there. But for the purposes of tonight's podcast, I'm not talking about a relationship. I'm talking about dating. And I dated for a long time. I did. I Obviously, I'm not dating now, but I I put in my dues. Let's leave it at that. You know, I mean, I, I went on so many dates in my 20s, like an absurd amount of dates. I really was committed to trying to find my person, and I wasn't going to stop until I did. So I took the bull by the horns and I went on every date I could. And sometimes it was really fun. And sometimes it was depressing and it was always exhausting. Good or bad, you come home from a date emotionally exhausted because you're putting so much of yourself into that hour, two hours, whatever it might be. And it was something that I did put so much time and effort into, so much emotion into, so much thought, like way more thought than I should have. It was occupying all of my brain space. And so it's left me, even today, as I'm pretty removed from the experience, at least in terms of timeline, it's left me with a lot of fodder and a lot of questions and a lot of introspection and a lot of stories. Because you know what they say. They always say, when you're going on a date and you're like, "Eh, I don't know if I want to go, someone will always pull out that old aphorism and say, well, you're either going to have a good date or you're going to have a good story. And let me tell you, by the end of my dating tenure, I came away with a lot of stories, (laughs) a lot of stories. And so that's why I wanted to do an episode on dating. Even though I'm not dating, I, I really wanted to do an episode on it and devote an hour to it to talk about that experience for two reasons. 
The first one is being that I think it's something we can all talk about together. Dating, I think of it as this sort of universal equalizer because we've all been in that situation and no matter what, it's always awkward. I mean, you could be whichever side of the date you're on, right? If you're the person who's more into the date or less into the date, if you're nervous, if you're not, there is something inherently weird about going on a date. It's a very odd social setting, right? And we've become so accustomed to it because we all do it. And it's sort of, I don't know, it's a, it's a means to an end. It's, we grin and bear it as something we have to do to get to the next goal, which is, you know, at least for some of us, which is a relationship. If you're looking for that, you have to go on dates to get there. But if you look at the ritual, it's really bizarre. It's two strangers sitting down and just interviewing each other. Like the most basic facts that you can about someone, trying to figure out if they like them, trying to be on your best behavior, but also trying to not, it's a very strange social setting. So because of that, I think of it as this equalizer of an experience that we've all been on. We've all had good dates. We've all had bad dates. We've all had confusing dates. And so I really do think that it's a fun topic to unpack and to talk about. But the real reason that I wanted to do a show about dating is that, honestly, I really think that dating was, in many ways, my way into comedy, both through stand-up and content creation. I really think it was my years of dating and the myriad experiences that I had, the good, the bad, the ridiculous, those are what led me to becoming a comedian in my 20s. Because, you know, I, I've said this before on, on other podcasts, on this podcast, I, I wasn't someone who always knew they wanted to be a comedian. And I really think it took going on all these dates to figure it out. And the reason I say that is because while I was in the midst of that experience, while I was going on all these dates, I think that's when I learned how much I enjoyed making other people laugh. And I know what you're thinking. I'm not talking about the guys I was on dates with. I don't care if they laughed. I mean, yeah, obviously it's fun if you're on a date with someone and they laugh. That feels good. It's an ego boost, sure, especially if you like the guy. But when I'm talking about making people laugh through the process of dating. I'm talking about my friends and my coworkers, help my mom the following morning. Because that, to me, that was the best part of dating. And I know this sounds insane, but the best part of dating was the next day, taking everything that happened, whether it was the best date ever, the worst date ever, even sometimes if nothing that interesting happened, I could always find a way to turn it into this story where it was beat for beat, joke for joke. I knew my punchlines. I knew my pauses. I would come into the office and be like, you guys are not going to believe the date that I had last night. And to me, that was honestly half of the fun of going on these dates. And I think through that, and as I started to tell these stories, I was like, oh, I could, I could tell these stories more. They're pretty fun. And I started paying more attention to people while I was on their dates, like looking at their idiosyncrasies, looking at the absurdities, like I said, of the ritual of dating. And then also, more importantly, looking at myself, right? And, and what I was going through. Because I think, it's, um, I think it's really easy to make fun of the men, like 
generally all the time, but particularly within dating. But but I bet, you know, I bet guys could say the same thing. I really do. I bet that guys could say it's really easy to make fun of the women that they're on a date with as well. I think it's just whenever you're on a date and there's someone sitting across from you and that date goes any which way, when you leave, it's going to be easy to poke fun at that person. That's sort of, it's almost like low hanging fruit. But when I was starting to go through this dating and looking at, looking at it as more of a opportunity to craft a funny story out of something that I did during the week, I actually started to pay a lot more attention to myself. And I realized the funnier stuff and the more interesting stuff was how I was reacting on these dates. And it suddenly became about me, you know, how I was acting and the stupid things I said. Because let me tell you, I said some really dumb things on dates and I'm going to tell you about them. And also just like, like I said, the things that we just put up with because that's the way it is, like the infamous three-day rule. Oh, we can't reply for three days. Why? Someone just said that. But we all believe it and we act. It's almost like, you know what? It's probably a lot like you can't swim for a half an hour after you eat. I feel like one mom said that to one kid who was being obnoxious and she just didn't feel like watching him in the pool anymore. And now everybody thinks if you go swimming in 30 minutes from eating a meal, you're going to cramp up and die. I don't think that's the case. And I sort of feel the same way. You could text someone two days a day, the same day of that date, but there's all these rules that we all become to. And I started to think they're so weird and they're funny when you look at them. And I think this is probably the benefit a little bit of hindsight. I know when I was in the thick of dating, sometimes it was really hard to find what was comical. You know, when you feel heartbroken, when you've been ghosted, but that is, it is comical. And so when I finally started doing stand-up, it was actually one of my coworkers and friends who every day I would come in and be like, you're never going to believe this date I went on. She told me, you remind me of Mrs. Maisel. And I was like, great, I'm going to try stand-up. It's really all it took. And 75% of that content was related to dating because at the time, that's what I was going through. And that's what encouraged me to look at the world through that lens. So I feel like I owe dating a little bit to my career and in both forms, because a lot of you guys, you didn't meet me on stage at a comedy club when I was doing five minutes about dating guys who wear vests from Connecticut. You met me on TikTok or Instagram, and you probably met me through my on a date series. And those were the first videos I ever did that went viral. It was Connecticut girl on a date, and then it became Manhattan woman on a date, Boston girl on a date, and so on and so forth. And even still to this day, when I introduce a new character, I introduce her on a date, typically. And it's funny because when I made these videos, at the time when I was starting to do that, God, I'd been dating Pat for a year, over a year at that point. So dating was not part of my life. But when I started creating these characters and I wanted to place them somewhere so that they had a sense of location, suddenly it just became so obvious to me it had to be a date. It had to be a date because, one, what I said earlier, that universal equalizer, a date is something we've all been in, right? It's a situation whether you live in Manhattan or not, you can imagine what it's like. So you can extrapolate what it means to be a Manhattan woman on that date from the things that my person is saying because of the dates you've been on yourself. And the setting itself, 
is so inherently raw with comedy because it's incredibly awkward. It's definitely funny. It's definitely weird. There's this whole song and dance, this mating ritual of trying to impress people. You're trying to be yourself, but only sort of, because at the same time, you're trying to put your best foot forward. It is this really bizarre moment in human interaction that is vulnerable, but not so vulnerable that it's uncomfortable. And I think that's why the series did so well. It was because these characters were on a date and that made them, even when they were so unlikable, as many of them are, it made them a little bit likable because you felt a little bit bad for them thinking, oh God, I, I've been on dates like this before. I guess basically what I'm saying is I have my dating experience to thank for the fact that I even have this show tonight, right? It, it's all because of dating. So I guess as we le land into this, as we move into this show, I just want to take a moment and say thank you to every mediocre date that I wasted my mascara on, to every guy who said something wildly offensive to me within 10 minutes of meeting me, to every dude that I was unintentionally the jerk to, because I know sometimes I was, to every single one of my friends who listened to me reread a text message from a guy 47 times trying to decipher if he was into me or not, and to every single one of those guys who ghosted me. Thank you. You have made me a comedian. So if you know me or if you follow me, I feel like it should come as no surprise to you that uh, I am an overachiever. I am a perfectionist. I am the girl who always did the entire group project for her entire group when I was in school. I am someone who sets a goal and will not stop until I get that goal, probably to the point of my own detriment. And I took the same approach with dating. I did not casually date. I did not have that in me. I did not say, okay, sarah, sarah, I will go out and maybe I'll meet a guy. You know, I, I put in my time. I put in my effort. I was on the apps. I was asking friends if they knew guys. I was going to bars hoping I'd meet guys. I was reaching out to people. I really wanted to make it work. So because of that, I feel like I have been on so many different kinds of dates. And I've I've also gone through the apps. And I, I do want to say I met Pat on a dating app. We met on Hinge. Shout out to Hinge. And so there is hope on those dating apps because a lot of people sometimes when I say that on social, people will always ask, you know, where did you and Pat meet? I say Hinge. Inevitably, at least one person will respond to me and be like, is there actually hope on those apps? The answer is yes. The hard truth to that answer is <laughs> I think you have to be willing. You have to Malcolm Gladwell it. You have to be willing to put in your 10,000 hours because to some extent, especially in a city like New York where there's just so many people and what you're the only thing that you can filter by on Hinge, I, I'm pretty sure is age range, or at least it was when I was on it. So you're meeting all kinds of people. Some you're going to gel with, some you're not. The point is, I think you really have to go on a lot of dates and you have to put in your time. And I mean, I just, I can't even get over. Okay. Some of the, the worst date I ever went on was actually not from an app. So maybe even all the more power to an app. I was set up with someone. So I had really high hopes for this date. I was like, you know what? This is going to be great. We're going to have a great time. I, I tried to go into every date optimistically. I came out of very few still feeling optimistic, but I went in hopeful 
very Pollyanna of me. That's sort of my take to life. We go on this date. It's not going well. The first thing he said to me was, I found a typo on your website. That's how he introduced himself to me. I was like, well, this is going amazingly. Whatever. Long story short, we go through this date. I'm having a miserable time. (laughs) I'm trying to be nice because I'm me and I'm always trying to be nice, even when I probably shouldn't be. At the end of the date, I'm like, ah, you know what? I got to go. It's getting late. I'm going home. This guy looks me directly in the eyes, straight in the eyes, into my soul, and just deadpan goes, so you want to know what your problem is? And he sits down, and he just goes into a dissertation. He's like, well, you're too jaded by the world around you, and that's why you hang on to liking things that you liked as a child. You're not willing to open up. I was like, do I owe you a copay for this date? Because this is a great therapy session, but a pretty bad way to end a first date. Needless to say, that date did not go to another date. So that was that was probably the worst date I ever went on. Uh, the worst first date I ever went on. I just couldn't, could not get over the fact that somebody said to me, do you want to know what your problem is? And you know what? I mean, I've, look, I've, there have definitely been times when I'm the problem. I don't think I was perfect on every date. I know I wasn't. I, there were plenty of times I'm sure that people were like, this girl is out of her mind. I, um. One of the first dates I ever went on after the date was ending and we were leaving, um, I didn't, I didn't know if he was going to kiss me goodnight. I didn't know if I should hug him. I didn't know what the proper etiquette was. So I saluted him like he was my superior in a military setting. And then he called me out. He's like, did you just salute me? So I reached out and I shook his hand. It is amazing to me that I ever got a second date. So obviously over time, I learned by the time I got to my first date with Pat, I uh, was not making these mistakes. Although on my first date with Pat, um, he didn't know at the time, but I showed up drunk, which is like a big no, not something you should do. It was a complete accident. I do want to say that. I did not intend to come to this date drunk. I promise. But I had a friend, my friend and I after work, she was like, I'm having a tough day. Will you come out with me? Will you get a drink? I was like, yeah, of course. I have to kill time before this date. And for whatever reason, again, I had been on so many dates that a lot of the time I felt a little jaded where I was like, oh, we'll go on the date. We'll see. For whatever reason, the minute I matched with Pat, I just knew. I was like, something, this is different. I just have this feeling. So I was really excited for this date. So in my excitement, I don't know if I got swept up in it, what? I ordered a martini, which was mistake number one. And I drank it in 30 minutes, which was mistake number two. And I didn't eat anything, which was mistake number three. And by the time we finished, I was pretty drunk. So I went to Equinox, because that's where I was a member at the time of the gym. And I just downed a coffee, splashed water on my face to the point where like my clothes were wet. So now it was a whole thing. It was December too. So I was like a mess, like re-put on my makeup, show up at this date, trying my best not to act drunk. And I was like, you know, it's kind of cold. I think I'm just going to order like uh, a hot tea with whiskey or a hot cider with whiskey, which is like not a cool first date drink. Because that's another thing when you're on a first date, you do have to think, how cool does my drink make me look? which is another reason that it was so good for my comedy and content because every character had a different drink that makes them look cool. 
but I am tangenting. And the only reason I ordered a hot drink was because I knew I would drink it slowly and I needed to sober up. Clearly it worked. Maybe my advice here is uh, you should have martinis before dates. I don't know. It's probably not good advice, but long story short, I did a lot of dumb things when I was dating. All right. We have a caller. Hey, how's it going? Here. Good. Can you hear me? I can. What's your name? Uh, my name is Soul Cat. Let's go with that since we're doing okay, the whole, nice. you know, <laughs> you know, everybody's going by their, by their handle here. You got to be pseudo anonymous. Love um, it. If you're telling dating well, stories, a hundred percent. What's up, Soul Cats? <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I was cracking up at your, uh, your stories. Those are uh, really, really funny. Um, so just uh, give a little bit of context here. Uh, so I met my girlfriend on Hinge. Woo, go Hinge. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I'm one of those annoying people that um, met someone. It was literally the first person I met, and it was the first person she met. And it was like we both jumped on, met, and we're like, cool, I like you, cool, I like you, done. We both jumped off Hinge, and we were done. And oh I know that annoys a lot of people. <laughs> I, right? Yeah. Okay. Because you were just talking well, about how you need to put in your ten thousand hours. I was I was expecting to. Yeah. You know, like I went to into it like, all right, let's do this. I like, you know, I was I was pumped and ready. I'm like, let's let's get the twenty bad dates out of the way. Then let's find the one that we kinda like, talk to friends, realize they're not the right one, go on another twenty <laughs> dates. And none of that happened. I just jumped on. So uh, if it's if it's okay with you, I have like a nugget of, of maybe pseudo wisdom, at least like what worked for me. I would love to hear your wisdom. I would love to hear your wisdom. Okay. Just a thought. Um, And again, by no means am I an expert. This, I may have just gotten lucky, right? So who knows? So the hinge part, I will just say this. I went into it knowing exactly. uh, So I was post-divorce and I knew exactly what I was looking for. And she did as well. Like we skipped eight dates on that first chat conversation. It was just like, all right, here's the deal. Like I have kids. Here's my baggage. Uh, here's what's good about me. Here's what's bad about me. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but like kind of, but not really. <laughs> no, like, I, I, I hear you. And she's like, cool. Here's my good, bad and ugly. And both of us were like, I like it. And that was that. So I think that helped a lot <clears throat> in terms of like, uh, skipping bad dates. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, um, it's funny because Pat, he, my fiance, I, he told me, he was like, you're the first hinge date I went on in New York city when I moved here. And I was like, I hate you because I went on probably upwards of like 500 dates. I I honestly don't even know. (laughs) Like maybe that's a gross exaggeration and it's just my PTSD. But, um, no, I, I think by the time I got to meeting Pat, I was very, uh, the same way. I was like, here are all my cards on the table. This is what I think. I asked him out and I was like, I'm done with the games. This is what I want. Here, here I am. And it worked. So I think that is good advice. That stuff's going to come out anyway, right? Like whether it's the first date or the eighth date, it's going to come out uh, everything about you. So I'm not saying like jump on there and be like, <laughs> all right, you know, I'm a total slob. Uh, I don't know how to cook and I suck at life. Like, you know, don't go, I'm not saying like, you know, come out weak. I'm just saying, Weak. Just, <laughs> just, you know, lead with your best foot and just be transparent. I think that you're going to discover it on the first date anyway. So just like, here's what I'm looking for and here's who I am. I love that advice. 
I think that helped a lot because we went, we started out on what felt like the fifth date, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's such a good way to put it too. We started out on the fifth date because those first dates, I mean, I have a joke about this, but I always say like afterwards, after a first date, you're like, do you have any siblings? Where'd you go to school? Like what sport do you like? I would come home and be like, I don't know if I like this guy, but I could confidently write his obituary. Like I know all this biographical information, but have no idea if we're going to be a good couple. That's right. Yeah. Well put. Yeah. So that's the stuff. So I say lead with that stuff, like lead with your deal breakers right off the bat. Yeah, lead with your deal breakers. That's look at that is great yeah. advice. Awesome. Um, okay, last thing I don't, I don't want to take up too much time, but last, last thing I'll say is uh, this is just related to New York, by the way, because you mentioned New York. Yeah. Uh, my mom lives in New York, and um, so is my sister, and I visit Manhattan all the time. I will say, you uh, New York is a very unique place in general. The people there are correct. <laughs> are I don't have to finish that sentence. You know, you know what I'm going to say. So <laughs> right. I've been on the subway and had people just randomly tell me, you know what your problem is? And that's why I was cracking you yeah. up. <laughs> you don't even have to be on a date. Like strangers will tell you your problem in New York. That's true. That's a very good point. Everyone in New York so, wants to tell you your problem. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Because they've got it all figured out. So true. anyway. Uh, true. Well, Soulcats, I so, love that. Yeah. That's great advice. Awesome. awesome. Well, I'm Thank you so much for taking the call. Thanks for calling in. It was great to chat with you. Appreciate it. All right. Bye. I was thinking a lot about dating in preparation for this show. And like I was saying earlier, it's kind of a bizarre ritual and it's this mating ritual and there's all these rules and regulations and customs, right? That we all sort of fall into whether we realize it or not. And there have always been those rules, but they change so much. Like obviously we all watch Bridgerton um, or maybe we don't all, but, we're all aware of Bridgerton and that dating ritual. So different. It was like, who would the queen allow you to be with? And there was all this pomp and circumstance. And we had to go on seven walks through the park beforehand and three dances and God forbid we were caught kissing. And there were all these sort of ways that you had to go about it. And then, you know, I talked to my mom about what it was like to date when she was in high school and college or whatever in the eighties. And it's totally different. I mean, you had to deal with, you called someone on the phone and their parents might answer. Could you imagine could you imagine if you are my age, if you're a millennial or even a Gen Z? I don't think Gen Z could even imagine what this is, but to want to ask somebody out on a date or talk to your boyfriend on the phone and you have to call their house phone. Could you imagine? And their mom answers, and you have to be like, Hi, Mrs. Capizio. Oh, it's Shannon. Is is Joey home? I really wanted to talk. Like, that's so awkward and uncomfortable, especially when you're used to texting. So these traditions change. And obviously now dating apps are such a big part of it. And I think even when I started dating um, out of college, I, I was nervous about meeting a guy on an app. I thought there might be a stigma to it. It seemed a little scary who are these strangers? Not like the people you're meeting in bars aren't strangers too, but there was something at the time in 2014, I think meeting someone on the internet still felt a little weird. It wasn't something that many people were doing. Maybe like my older cousins might've been on eHarmony. Like that's where we were at. And by the time I got to New York, there was Tinder and there was Bumble and maybe Hinge was just starting. And I mean, now you have 
the league and Raya and coffee meets bagel and okay Cupid. Like there's so many options. And I think even if you don't end up meeting your significant other on the app, you've been on the apps. And I just think it really changes the way we go about meeting people because I think something that was really helpful for me and when I met Pat too was we you can easily have a pen pal if you're meeting someone on the apps. You can match with someone, think they're cute, talk to them for five weeks and never go on a date because you're just texting and you're doing it while you're waiting in line to get your coffee in the morning. You respond to this guy that you might want to go on a date with. <laughs> I mean, talk about romance. I mean, this is the stuff that Shakespeare was writing about. Obviously not. So you have this this ability to talk to people when it's convenient and when you're kind of thinking of it and you cannot talk to them and talk to them again, there's no urgency. You're also being presented with infinite amounts of potential suitors. And I think we, people talk about this all the time. There's too many, it's decision paralysis. There's too many options. And I think that that is part of why people have such a hard time meeting on the apps and why people say, oh, the apps don't work because it's hard to commit to someone until you've met them in person because there's always someone else. You could always keep swiping. I think it all goes back to elementary school, Valentine's Day. Hear me out because my generation, when you went to to school on Valentine's Day, you brought in a Valentine for every single kid in the class. You did not have to pick a Valentine. You did not have to say, I like Mikey. I'm going to get him a Valentine. You could you could play the field with your little Rugrats cards with the heart-shaped lollipops. I mean, you could definitely give the, you know, Tommy Pickles one to Mikey because you liked him. But, you know, you still had Chucky and Phil and Lil and Angelica to give away to every other guy and girl in your class. So you could really have this infinite options. And I know it sounds kind of silly and trait, but I genuinely think that like starting there, we learned, okay, there's opportunity for us to play the field as little seven-year-olds walking around with our Valentine's Day in elementary school. But I think as you get older and you sort of have this mentality of, I don't have to commit, I can, you know, all jokes aside, I think when you are on a dating app, there is the elusive draw of the unknown. And I think, you know, when people come in with these lists of he has to have, I was watching Practical Magic last night. So the one green eye, one blue eye, he has to play the banjo, whatever your, he has to be over six feet tall is everybody's favorite. Whatever your totally arbitrary list is of boxes you would like checked. And again, not talking about what Soul Cats was just talking about with me about like, nice and has the same familiar like values as me and makes me laugh like those are those are checklist items you should not give up on but you can create a list of completely surface level things and know that someone out there does check all of those boxes and knowing that there's the possibility that they're one swipe away I think makes it really hard sometimes to say, okay, to the person in front of you, to going on that date. I think that decision paralysis leads into it a lot when you're younger on these dating apps and when there is so much ahead of you and you don't want to commit to the first person you meet, right? Because there might be someone better, even though you don't know that for sure. But I think when you start to 
think about it a little more realistically and, and sort of think about, okay, what actually matters to me and take away some of the excess stuff, that's probably when you're, you're most ready to find someone. And I mean, you might come across someone who has the world's best Tinder photo. It could be a guy in a tux holding a fish, playing with children on top of a mountain. And I, I just like, I could never get over how, and I bet guys could say the same about girls' profiles. I've never scrolled through girls' profiles, but in scrolling through guys' profiles, every third one is the same. First of all, I did not know this many men in America love to fish, but I have seen so many photos of guys holding giant striped bass. There's always a photo with a, of the guy with like a little child, and it's like, it's my nephew. It's my niece. Um, and then there's always a photo of like 17 men and you have to decipher which one is the dude you're actually trying to date. Like it's a cryptic, you're playing one of the New York Times crossword puzzle games. It's like, which guy is the guy that you're going to go on a date with? Who knows? And there's always a photo of them in a tux. They're like giving the best man speech. They're like, they feel like James Bond. I mean, these profiles become kind of redundant, right? And so it can, as you're just swiping through them, it can almost feel like swiping through TikTok or Instagram where it's just the next piece of content, which is not a great way to look at a human being. All this to say, I think after you go through that and then you look at the dating apps as a way to meet real people instead of thinking about it as content, obviously I'm a big believer in them. They worked for me. There's a lot that goes into dating and obviously ghosting culture is such a big thing now. And it's, I think there's a weird double standard to it, I'm going to say. Not gender specific, but when you are ghosted, you're so mad about it, as you should be. I've been ghosted. I've been upset. But when you don't want to go on another date with somebody, you don't want to be the one to tell them that. And I think it's, I do, I have to say, I think if you've been dating someone for long enough that you're, you've seen more than one calendar month together, you owe them an explanation. If you've been on two dates with somebody and you're just not feeling it, like, do you really want to call them up and be like, hey, by the way, I don't like you. Like, that just feels mean, right? And would you want to receive that text? I don't think so. I don't think you would want someone to text you and be like, hey, in case you were wondering, not into it. And so I get the ghosting. I do have to say the worst ghosting experience I ever got, though, that I do, I do not get. So I was talking to this guy. We'd been on a couple dates. And he was like, all right, like, do you want to go out tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. He goes, cool. Let's meet at Elsa. It's a cool cocktail bar. And I said, great. What time? And then I never heard from him again. <laughs> Apparently, the specificity of an hour at which we were to meet was enough to scare him away. And that to me was an unacceptable ghosting. I was like, dude, I could have just showed up at Elsa at seven o'clock for cocktail time. Like, this is insane. And then one time I got ghosted. This is another great story. I got ghosted by a guy. I'd been seeing him for like probably two months. So kind of a while. And like a week and a half goes by and I don't hear from him. And I was like, damn, that really sucks to be ghosted. And, and then he texts me out of the blue and he's like, hey, what's going on? And I was like, dude, where have you been? To which he was like, ah, I'm so sorry. I got jury duty. And I was like, oh, how was the case? And he goes, 
oh, no, I didn't do it. I just got the letter. So the fact that you got mail, you got postage, was so taxing to your experience of being a human. You couldn't text me for two weeks because you received a letter in the mail. But this is what I'm talking about. In the moment, I was so hurt and mad. And I was like, how dare he? But it's pretty funny. <laughs> like, And I think I can say that from many years in the future. I can look back and be like, that's kind of hilarious that this guy blamed getting jury duty as an excuse to not call you. Like in some ways, it's almost worth being ghosted to have that story. And again, I don't think I could have said this even a couple days after it happened, a couple years after it happened, but far enough in the future, it's a pretty funny story. But I asked you guys as well on social to tell me your funniest stories, your worst stories. And I'm going to share a couple of them because they're pretty good. Um, this one, okay, this one, when I read it, my mouth literally dropped, like my jaw literally fell. I'm not kidding. Someone told me that um, he had a date of someone he met online, but it turned out she used pictures of her daughter to catfish him. I don't know who that's worse. I think that's worse for the daughter. I feel like that's such a, like, that is a violation of mother-daughter relationship and rights. And also, very bizarre and very vicarious living. I, I don't know. I felt really bad for that dude. Um, this guy tried to show me how to do a work interview with role play in a bar when he was me. I bet you a thousand dollars that dude worked at JP Morgan. <laughs> this guy says the girl I dated used to drive the wiener mobile and she constantly seriously referred to herself as wiener girl. Honestly, I don't think that's that. I think that's kind of funny. Self-awareness for the win. Um, oh, this one. This one made me physically mad. This girl wrote in and said, a guy yelled at me and argued that peanut butter is a dairy product on our first and only date. This one is kind of close to home. So I went on a date. The date was already going bad. And it was during the Olympics. And you know, during the Olympics, you suddenly become like, really invested in sports that you never watch. You're suddenly like a master of all things dressage or you're really into curling. I love the Olympics and I watch all these sports and we were at this bar and the snowboarding was on. <laughs> like all of a sudden this guy looks at me and he goes, snowboarding's not really a sport. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, it doesn't take any athletic ability because you're just using gravity. I don't snowboard. I've never snowboarded. For whatever reason, this made me so infuriated. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're just using gravity? Like, no, it is a very difficult sport. These people are Olympians. We got into a fight. I did not go on another date with him because I just couldn't get over how obnoxious I thought it was that he was like, it's not a sport. So again, sometimes, sometimes these little things get in your bones. And I think you have to trust them because they mean something larger. It was about more than snowboarding. It was just about this sort of what I do is the best and what other people do doesn't matter. Um, this one, the last one I'm going to share because it's really actually insane <laughs> is that this girl says, my sister had a date tell her that his mom would love her birthing hips. 
That's so gross. That is some Game of Thrones shit. That, like, the fact that his mom is involved about her hips. First date, you're already talking about giving birth. There's something very bizarre about that that makes me kind of want to vomit. Um, So I really hope she didn't go on a second date with him. My friend actually went on a date with a guy. This is sort of similar. It's not that similar, but just another experience of a guy saying something. My friend went on a date with a guy and he was a doctor and he was just complaining the whole day about his experience in the hospital and how hard his life was and all this stuff for like 45 minutes. And then he was like, so what do you do? Which first of all, if it takes that long to get to asking about someone else, but he's like, so what do you do? And she said, oh, I work in advertising to which he replied, oh, so you don't have a real job. And sometimes I just want to be like, how do people say these things on first dates? But at the same time, I'm almost glad that they do. Because could you imagine going on six dates with that guy only to find out that he's the dude who says, oh, you don't have a real job? Like, it's so obnoxious. So obviously, there are a lot of horror stories that happen with dating. There's a lot of exhaustion that goes into it. There's a lot of funny. But I do want to say one thing. and this is me maybe getting on some sort of soapbox, but I want to say it because like I said, I went on dates for a really long time and I went on a lot of them and I was really invested and I put my heart into everything. You know, I really tried to go in with the best intentions and I talked to my friends about it a lot. I talked to my family about it a lot. I was probably detrimentally consumed with the experience of dating because it was something I wanted so badly was to find my person. And I think what happens as you go through all these dates and suddenly, you know, maybe your friends are in relationships and getting engaged and getting married or your older family members who have never been on dating apps because they weren't around don't understand the process and they they don't know what you're going through. And these people they want to see you happy. So I do think that it's coming from a place of, of well-meaning, but people would always say to me, are you sure you're not being too picky? You know, they would be like, maybe, maybe you're not giving people a fair shake. Maybe, maybe you're not waiting for the right guy, you know? And, and they would just have this feeling that it was me. I was the one who was setting these unrealistic expectations. And You know, it's funny, sort of related, but when you're single and your friends see that you don't want to be single, they'll set you up with their friends who are single. But the only criteria that they seem to care about is that the two of you are both single. Like I went on so many setups that people I knew set me on these dates with someone who had literally nothing in common with me, who in no universe would two people look at us and be like, oh, wow, Shannon and Freddie should really date. I think they'd hit it off. There was no feeling of that. and But all that they could, they were like, you're single, he's single. You guys will be great together. And so people kept putting you into these situations. Or you'd go through these dates and someone would like you and you'd be like, all right, sure, I'll give him a shot. And you'd go on these dates and you'd leave after. And, you know, sometimes you'd have these stories of people saying, what's your problem? Or do you want to know what your problem is? Or people telling you that they got jury duty. But sometimes you'd leave these dates and you'd just be like, it wasn't. I don't know, something just didn't hit. Or you could pinpoint it to something silly like 
they eat their shrimp cocktail really weird. But if that's what it's about, it's never really about the shrimp cocktail because I think Pat could eat his shrimp cocktail with his feet and I wouldn't find offense to it because Pat's the right guy for me. And so I think you go on these dates and you have to trust your gut, but people are always telling you that you're being too picky or asking if you should try harder, if you're not doing enough. And my advice through all of this is to hold your ground because you're looking for something that you can't explain. That's what dating is. There is an inexplicable spark about something about meeting the right person. And you know it, you know it when you feel it. I said it before, Pat and I matched on hinge and I just, I knew it in my gut and I don't know why. And I think people told me that I was, you know, like I said, being too picky, but I waited, I held out. I didn't give in to people who were great on paper or people who were good enough. And I found the most perfect man in the world for me. And that's the same thing that I think Pat would say about me. I found the most perfect girl in the world for me. Because there are plenty of people that would meet Pat and there are plenty of people that would meet me, as plenty of them did, and go on a date and be like, not for me. And I went on plenty of dates with guys who will be the most perfect guy in the world for somebody else. And I just think, you know, when you're on these dating apps and there are these infinite answers and it feels hopeless and you've been on a hundred dates and you're meeting people in bars and they're saying obnoxious things and someone comes along and they're nice enough to you, it can be very tempting to just say, fine, it's good enough. All I have to say as someone who met somebody online, it's not about you and it's not about them. It's about the weird, unspeakable connection between the two of you. And I'll never forget when my cousin met his wife, his now wife at the time, and the first time we met her, when I saw them together, I just went, oh, duh, because they were so right for each other. You looked at them at, across the room and you thought, oh, duh, of course they're together. And I just kept saying, I'm waiting for my oh, duh. I'm waiting for my oh, duh. People thought I was crazy. People thought I was putting too much stock into something that they thought rom-coms had fed me. But I have to tell you, you're going to find your oh, duh, because I did. And it's such a dumb, silly way to put it. But if you're going on dates and you're tired, I just say, find the funny, because someday you will be, it's such a trite thing to say, but someday you will look back and laugh. You will say, it's kind of ridiculous that this person ghosted me for jury duty. So find the funny and just don't give up until you find your oh, duh. And with that, until next week, this was Just Like Other Girls. I'm Shannon Fiedler. Have a good one, everybody.